Let's face it, money matters can be confusing. And with something as important as having enough for retirement, it's comforting to know help is just a phone call away. Wealth Managers LLC has helped clients pursue their financial goals since 1984. When it comes to investment advice, experience matters. If you need financial guidance, the folks at Wealth Managers LLC can help. The number is 800-497-9995. Once again, that's 800-497-9995 or wealthmanagersllc.com. After all, money doesn't take care of itself. Securities and advisory services offered through registered representatives of Satira Advisor Network, LLC. Member FINRA and SIPC. Wealth Managers, LLC is independent of Satira Advisor Networks, LLC. The following show, How to Be a Great Investor with your host, Richard Everett, is underwritten by Wealth Managers, LLC. Welcome to How to Be a Great Investor with Richard Everett. Richard started his career in the financial services industry back in 1984. He's the founder and past president of the Everett Financial Group. Richard was also a member of the International Association of Financial Planners and was named Financial Planner of the Year in 1996 by First Financial Planners. In addition to teaching hundreds of seminars, he's hosted his own radio and television shows and has authored several books on finance, including Whatever Happened to the Promised Land. Richard has taught his biblically-based financial principles in churches, conferences, Bible colleges, and universities, including Yale University's School of Management, Believers, and Business Conference. And now, How to Be a Great Investor with Richard Everett. Welcome, everyone. I'm Richard Everett, your host of How to Be a Great Investor. My goal is to help teach you the art of investing through biblical wisdom and contemporary investment insight. And I have some great news for you, folks. I'm retired. I don't have any products to sell or agenda to push, just common sense principles I have learned over my 35-year career in finance. No hype, just facts. Today's show is, believe it or not, how to be a great investor. So I'm going to teach you successful investing tips for my book today. Successful investing can be difficult, not always logical, and sometimes downright treacherous. If investing were easy, then everyone would be rich. And as we all know, everyone is not rich. That being said, we must embrace reality and deal with it. Investing is a craft. It's not an exact science. No financial institution, business school, textbook, investment guru, portfolio manager, journalist, analyst, broadcaster, or media talking head has a magic formula or foolproof system on investing. That's just the world we live in. So an accurate understanding of investing is the essential foundation for producing good results. Let's face it. Investing can be tough, challenging, counterintuitive, and just plain exasperating. In actuality, there's no such thing as a sure thing, especially in the stock market. So where do we get help? Who can we turn to for good advice? Academics? Well, how many millionaire university professors do you know? If you think about it, most professors are only qualified to teach us to become professors. Most have never had a real job or a career outside of their ivory towers. Many of them have very little sense on how things really work. Many lack the reality of experience. To prove my point, here is a reality distortion of the grandest scale. According to one survey, 94% of college professors, that's 94%, say 
They do above average work in the classroom. Think about that, folks. By definition, the majority cannot outperform the average. I think most of you agree true knowledge is born from actual experience. The trouble is economic theories tend to be based on intellectually elegant assumptions about how the world operates, not on any messy reality in which we actually live. Often their theories are too theoretical. Following their advice is a dignified road to starvation. So where else can we consider going for investment help if it's not academics? I want you to think about that, folks. If there were one business school or one professor or one college textbook that had the magic formula for investing, then everyone would be going there and learning that. And the point is there are thousands of schools teaching thousands of different approaches to investing because there is no one magic formula. So, again, where should we go for investment help? What about the press or TV pundits or the talking heads? How many rich journalists do you know? If they truly had clear insight on real knowledge or what is going on, don't you think they might be doing something else with their lives? like hanging out with their friends in the Hamptons? Why should someone who could consistently pick stock winners agree to give you advice for free? It just doesn't make any sense. Take Jim Cramer, for example, host of Mad Money. Jim is arguably one of the best-known gurus on television. However, according to a couple studies done, Cramer posted a 47% accuracy rate, slightly worse than pure chance on his market calls. On March 11, 2008, Kramer told a viewer not to sell his shares in Bear Stearns. Three days later, the stock fell from $159 a share to $2 a share. Ouch, that must have really hurt. But the point is that Kramer is supposed to be an expert, and yet he gave lousy investment advice. Watching too much financial news, folks, can be hazardous to your portfolio. Investors who don't think experts who appear on CNBC are biased are naive. If stock market experts were true experts, they wouldn't be sharing their expertise with you. They would be buying stocks and keeping what they know a secret from you. So here's the problem. Predictions are often reported as news. They are not news. They are predictions. So the solution, next time you have an urge to watch the financial networks, use the mute button. In an ongoing study, 6,000 forecasts from more than 60 so-called gurus were tracked. The average accuracy score, believe it or not, was just 48%. A coin flip performed better than the typical market expert. Pretty scary, huh? Get this, folks. Steve Forbes, the publisher of Forbes magazine, said, and I quote, my grandfather told me you make more money selling information than you do following it. So let that be a warning. Want to waste money on financial newsletters? According to Mark Holbert, editor of the Holbert Financial Digest, an initial $100,000 invested in the S&P 500 index over a 26-year period would be worth about $2.5 million at the end of the tracking period. By way of contrast, a similar investment in the portfolios managed by the folks selling these financial newsletters was worth $1.4 million. Wow. Think about the cost of the newsletters. You would have actually lost $1.1 million compared to investing it in just the S&P 500. Unfortunately, many of those tabloids provide more noise than substance. 
you might be better off calling a psychic hotline than buying a financial newsletter. Okay, so if you can't rely on the talking heads, the pundits, the journalists, the broadcasters, the academics, where do you go for investment advice? Surely financial analysts and trained economists can dispense insightful investment ideas. You would think these specialists could provide us with knowledge and know-how on how to become a great investor. Maybe, maybe not. As you may or may not be aware, economists conduct research. They collect and analyze data. They monitor economic trends and develop forecasts on a wide range of topics, including inflation, wages, unemployment, interest rates, etc. On the other hand, a financial analyst is a person whose job it is to assess the financial condition of a business or assets to determine if it is a sound investment. Both of these professions, however, require forecasting or predicting the future. And if you remember from one of my previous shows, predicting the future is a tough job. So the overall economy has too many moving parts to be able to foresee what will happen one, three, five years from now. How much trust would you put into next year's weather forecast? Here's a reality check. Economists and financial analysts are not clairvoyant. Probably one of the most discreditable predictions made by an economics professor was made by Irving Fisher back in October 21st, 1929. He said stocks have reached what looked like a permanently high plateau. Three days later, Black Thursday ushered in the Great Depression and a 90 percent decline in stock prices over the next three years. Not exactly a great prediction, even though this uh, gentleman was well-trained at Yale. Stay tuned for more great information on how to be a great investor with Richard Everett. If you would like to learn more investment tips and techniques for Christians, the website is greatinvestor.org. You can also sign up for Richard's blog, check out his books, CDs, and listen to his podcast. Once again, that's greatinvestor.org. You can also ask Richard your investment questions by emailing him at info at greatinvestor.org. That's info at greatinvestor.org. Okay, let's get back to Richard Everett as he shares more investment wisdom on how to be a great investor. Experts have an astonishing record of failure. In 2008, the consensus from forecasters was that not a single economy would fall into a recession around the world. During this flight from reality, it is estimated Americans lost about $10 trillion during the Great Recession, yet not a single economist predicted this financial meltdown. You should be skeptical about traditional economic thinking, which failed to either signal or avert the crisis. At best, economics is a dismal science. All right. Trying to pick winners based on an analyst's recommendation is a waste of time, folks. By the time you hear about the next hot stock, it's already old news. Everyone else knows, too. And something that everyone else knows isn't worth knowing. So let's bottom line this. Weathermen, astrologers, fortune tellers, analysts, economists, media gurus all have the same odds of being right and wrong. Truth be known, forecasts aren't worth very much, and most people who take their advice don't make money in the markets. Remember, you cannot be dead sure of anything. So here's my first investment tip. You must think independently and differently. Otherwise, you'll end up like everyone else, a mediocre or poor investor. 
In order for you to become a great investor, you need to learn to ignore all the fashionable nonsense. In my book, How to Be a Great Investor, I talk about many, many subjects. One of the first chapters, we talk about stocks and the stock market. So I use a checklist or filter to narrow down the stocks that I pick. I stay focused and disciplined, and if a stock doesn't meet my criteria, I simply don't buy it under any circumstances. But first, here is why using an investment checklist works well for me. By using a checklist, an investor has a good chance to improve their investment process and formulating a repeatable strategy. All right. So I use a checklist. I've used one for a number of years. It helps me stay out of trouble. It helps me stay focused and it helps me stay on the right track when I'm trying to pick a stock for my portfolio. So I'm going to share with you a nine step process that I use as my checklist. And I won't uh, get into an enormous amount of detail and bore you to tears, but these are just very simple things to to follow when you're, you're investing. So number one is Any company that I buy must have earnings. They must be making money, which may sound simple, but a lot of folks buy companies that have negative earnings and hoping that it's a turnaround candidate. And I've always said hope is not a great investment strategy. I want companies that have solid earnings, number one. Number two is I only buy stocks to pay a dividend. I've done a whole show on why dividends are important and encourage you to go to our website, greatinvestor.org, and you can actually listen to that podcast if you so desire. I'm also retired and uh, I love dividends. I love those checks on a monthly or quarterly basis. And of course, a company that pays dividends shows for the most part, that they're making money and they're making a lot of money in order to pay it out to the shareholders, which are you and I. Number three is that a dividend or the dividend payout must be less than 50% of the company earnings. And you might ask, well, why is that important? The answer is any company paying out more than half of their earnings may have a hard time staying healthy when the next economic downturn comes. Or even worse, if they hit hard times, they may end up cutting the dividend, which is not a good thing uh, for investors. Number four, I look for companies that have increased their dividends or paid out a special dividend over time. And again, for obvious reasons, any company that has recently increased its dividends has to be optimistic about the future, or otherwise they would have not done so. And number five, is I do not buy any stocks selling under $5 a share. So anyway, the Securities and Exchange Commission, the SEC, considers anything trading under $5 to be a penny stock. And that is just plain speculation and gambling if you're fooling around with penny stocks. Generally, I won't buy a stock trading under $10 a share. You like it to have some value and some liquidity in the market. Number six, I look for stocks insiders are buying. If a corporate executive is buying shares of his or her own company, it's generally a great sign. Either they think the stock price is cheap and undervalued, or they are expecting great things to happen in the near future. And here's the good news. Several studies have shown the profitability of tracking inside trading. Companies with insiders buying lots of its own shares have managed to beat the overall market by an average of 7% per year over 50 years. 
Folks, that's extremely impressive. And, of course, you can uh, find that information out. You can actually Google it or you can get the Wall Street Journal, and they, they uh, share with you on a weekly basis um, which companies are being bought by insiders. So it's generally the chief financial officer or the chief executive officer. Number seven, along the same lines, look for companies that are buying back their own shares. Uh, recently, uh, c- companies like Apple and uh, other big companies, uh, including Berkshire Hathaway, are buying their own shares back. Now, I want you to think about that for a minute and why that's important. Obviously, Warren Buffett wouldn't be buying his own shares back unless he thought they were cheap. And he truly is a uh, one of the great value investors of all time. But a number of studies have shown that buyback stocks perform better over time than the main market indexes like the S&P 500. Additionally, an analysis done recently showed that buyback achievers have lower risk profiles over the last one, three, five, and 10-year periods. And here's a couple of additional good reasons to focus on share repurchases. If a company is using its cash to buy back its own shares, they obviously must think their shares are underpriced. And this is the big deal for you. And by reducing the number of outstanding shares, a company increases its earnings per share. In other words, the same earnings divided between fewer shares translates into more earnings per share. So that generally is going to drive the stock up over a period of time. What Buffett has said is when a company grows and outstanding shares shrink, good things happen for shareholders. So bear that in mind. It's a great, great thing to look for on a checklist. And then number eight is the price to earnings ratio or the PE ratio of a company must be lower than that of the S&P 500 overall market index. In other words, if the P.E. ratio of the S&P 500 is 20, I would be looking for individual stocks with P.E.s lower than 20. And folks, don't uh, glaze over on a P.E. ratio. Simply put, the P.E. ratio is the company's stock price divided by its earnings per share. Very simple formula. And you can look at P.E.s on Yahoo Finance or some of the other financials. Um, They all post them. So anyway, I like low P.E. stocks, or basically they boil down to being value stocks. And then finally, check out the recent news about the company uh, that may affect a share price, either positively or negatively. So there you have it, my investment check in its entirety. And by utilizing these nine filters, you can stack the deck in your favor. And as a caveat, you don't necessarily have to have all nine in order to buy a stock, but the more the merrier. In one of the other chapters, we talk about bonds, how bonds work and why they are important because they provide yield or income. They provide diversification And they also provide risk mitigation. They actually can lower the volatility in someone's portfolio. And in spite of what some people think, bonds have actually outperformed stocks in about every three to four years. So having them in your portfolio makes a lot of sense. Again, it helps lower volatility and helps lower risk. I spend a great deal of time in my book, How to Be a Great Investor, on mutual funds and exchange-traded funds or ETFs. I actually do a comparison, which is better. And the answer is it really depends on what you're looking for. But I go over performances. I go over fees and charges and taxes 
classes and the various types of funds. I go through different strategies on how to lower fees and save hundreds of thousands of dollars in your 401k and retirement plans over your lifetime. There's a great chapter on real estate investment trust or REITs, explain to you what they are and how they work, how you can invest in shopping centers or hospitals, office buildings, including, believe it or not, the Empire State Building. Um, the Empire State Building is actually in a real estate investment trust. Talk about investing in hotels and resorts, investing in data centers, which is the cloud. Talk about the advantages such as diversification, uh, dividends, liquidity, and performance. Talk about the disadvantages such as uh, going through a recession and having a high occupancy rate. So again, the pros and cons on uh, real estate investment trust. We'll be back with more How to Be a Great Investor with Richard Everett. If you would like to learn more investment tips and techniques for Christians, the website is greatinvestor.org. You can also sign up for Richard's blog, check out his books, CDs, and listen to his podcast. Once again, that's greatinvestor.org. You can also ask Richard your investment questions by emailing him at info at greatinvestor.org. That's info at greatinvestor.org. Okay, let's get back to Richard Everett as he shares more investment wisdom on how to be a great investor. So why exactly is diversification important? And, uh, well, one of the primary reasons is you can really get burnt if you're not careful. When I started my career back in 1984, my manager told me about a friend of his, a pilot for Braniff Airlines. The pilot had 100% of his 401k in Braniff Airlines stock. And as you may or may not remember, Braniff didn't go bankrupt once. They went bankrupt twice. So not only did the pilot lose his job, but he also lost 100% of his 401k. So my manager said, let that be a lesson to you. He said, son, the lesson is to make sure your clients don't put all of their eggs in one basket. And sound advice, but unfortunately, too many people ignore it. So a few years into my career, a potential client came to see me and he happened to work for Union Carbide. During my first meeting, he disclosed that his entire 401k was in Union Carbide stock. I went on to share the Braniff Airlines story with him, to which he responded, yeah, but this is Union Carbide, not Braniff Airlines. Union Carbide won't go out of business. Well, if you go back uh, to the mid to late 80s, Union Carbide had a chemical disaster in Bhopal, India, and hundreds of people were killed. As a result of that, so did their investors. If my memory serves me correctly, his 401k declined by over 50% within just a few weeks of our meeting. Not too long after my union carbide story, an employee encounter, um, believe it or not, a gentleman came in to see me that had worked for Exxon for 30 plus years. And we had the same discussion. I asked him how he had his 401k allocated. And he says, well, I have 100% in Exxon stocks, the, one of the largest companies in the world. So I go on to to share with him the Braniff Airline story and the Union Carbide story. And I got the usual response, yeah, but this is Exxon. We're number one in the Fortune 500 list. Nothing could possibly happen to Exxon. Well, those of you that uh, may be as old as I do can certainly go back and remember the Valdez oil spill, where a drunken sea captain decided to um, run aground and spill 
a great deal of oil. Well, unfortunately, this gentleman did not listen to me, and his 401k became a 201k. He literally lost over half of his value. And of course, the uh, the coup de grace on that whole thing is that you certainly remember Enron, and all those folks that had their money invested in Enron stock end up losing their shirts and their money. Spent a great deal of time on annuities, both fixed and variable. Annuities make ideal investments for some folks, not certainly not for everyone. I go over the cost, um, talk about no-load annuities. Some folks bash annuities because they have high fees, but you certainly wouldn't want to buy an annuity with a high fee. You can buy a no-load uh, annuity. Again, I go through the pros and the cons. I go over how you can get guaranteed income for life and even a nursing home benefit, believe it or not, uh, some annuities offer. So uh, again, I don't know about you, but guaranteed income for life is extremely appealing to a lot of folks, including the author. I also go over how to construct a portfolio that is right for you. Not everyone should necessarily have the same asset allocation. Different folks have different time horizons, have different goals, have different risk tolerances. So based on that, we show you how to lower your risk and volatility and how to enhance your portfolio and retirement fund returns over your lifetime. Also, in one of the chapters, I talk about how to get sound investment advice. I go over the pros and cons of working with bankers, with insurance agents, with brokers, and registered investment advisors, or RIAs. Um, Some of these folks work on commission. Some charge fees, but only one of this group are required by law to put your needs above their own at all times. I talk about the advantages of working with these different folks. In chapter nine, I talk about investor behavior. I'll share with you a quote from the book. It's from Ben Graham. Ben Graham uh, is well known because he taught Warren Buffett how to be a great investor. His quote says, the investor's chief problem and even his worst enemy is likely to be himself. And again, with 35 years experience in the investment field, I have seen so many people self-destruct. They buy at the wrong time. They sell at the wrong time. They listen to the wrong folks and they end up shooting themselves in the foot. More and more studies are confirming the obvious that most individual investors act irrationally. And I think one of the big reasons for that, like it or not, is that money is one of the closest things to our heart. And so we make irrational decisions when something bad happens in the stock market. We end up selling instead of holding on and breaking even. In fact, a recent study showed that the average investor had only a 3.6% annual return over the last 10 years. Now, comparing that to the S&P 500 index, that was up 11%. So the difference between what the average investor was getting and what the market was performing at is 7.42%. Think about that, folks. How can that be? I mean, if the market's up 11%, how is it the average investor is only making 3.5%? So I go over some of the reasons. A couple of them are fear and greed. I go over how to behave yourself when it comes to investing and how to stop self-destructing your portfolio. So if you truly want to be a great investor, read the book. It's available at greatinvestor.org. That's greatinvestor.org. Sign up for my free newsletter. And while you're there, check out all the informative resources. And if you want to share with me what keeps you up at night, Regarding your investment portfolio, email me your financial questions at info at greatinvestor.org. You'll find that at uh, on the website. But I would encourage you, instead of trying to go it alone, pick my brains. I've been doing this for a long time, and I've made a lot of folks a lot of money over my career. 
So thanks for listening. May God bless you and may God bless America. This has been How to Be a Great Investor with Richard Everett. Harriet, I'm home. Ozzie, you're not going to believe what I saw today. What? I went to lunch with the girls today and we saw an 80-year-old woman filling out a job application. How depressing. She must really need the money or didn't plan well. Are we doing all we can with our nest egg? Shouldn't we get professional help? I hear the pros at Wealth Managers LLC are helpful and easy to work with. Why don't we call them? Sure thing, Harriet. I have their number right here. It's 800-497-9995. Securities and advisory services offered through registered representatives of Satir Advisor Networks LLC. Member FINRA and SIPC. Wealth Managers LLC is independent of Satira Advisor Networks LLC and can be reached at 800-497-9995 or wealthmanagersllc.com.